Um, this morning, if you have your word, you can turn over to John, or First John, chapter four. First um, John is not the Gospel of John; it's kind of back there. So just kind of keep plowing through, and you'll you'll get there eventually. <coughs> but good morning, good morning. Uh, man. That's uh, it's it's better than that. Good morning. We'll get there one day, I promise, church. Um, man, I'm so excited to be here with you guys this morning and so excited to uh, dig into whatever God would say to us this morning, uh, to, to look into um, the, the, the beauty of this word. And I'll be honest, as I was studying for this, man, just blown away and blown away and blown away and blown away. And um, I, think, I think the devil knows that this morning. Um, and it's, it's been almost good all morning, right? Right, you're like almost there. You're like, man, if I could just a little, a little more, and then this thing would pop into our head, right? Yeah, or, or this man we'd think about yesterday, or we'd jump to lunch, or we'd think about what's coming this next week. And man, the truth of it is, somebody wants us to miss something that is about to be said this morning. And um, I just, I just kind of encourage you to, to struggle through that and to fight through that this morning, because man, what God is going to say is a life changing thing this morning. Um. The last week we started this series called We Are Loved, and um, man, I'll be honest, last week I feel like some of you guys feel this week, I had whatever like sinus thing is kind of going around, and, and some of you guys have had other worse stuff than that, so I'm not totally complaining about me, but I was kind of in, in my brain, and then as I went home and processed it, I was like, man, so much, so much richness in that word, um, and this week we're going to continue to plow into that thought, We Are Loved. Last week we kicked this series off with John 3.16 and for some of you you're like, man, great, I wasn't here that week because that's like the first verse I ever learned <laughs> and for some of you guys you're like, um, man, that was, that was good. Yeah. But it's this verse that everybody knows and it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right, Jesus, that whosoever, anybody that believes in him won't perish have everlasting life. Man, there's so much richness in that little verse. Because the truth of it is, what it's saying is, God loves you. And God loves you, and God loves you. And it, it doesn't matter what you think this morning about that. Right? right? It doesn't matter what you feel this morning about that. It's just what the Word of God says about that. And the Word of God will stand forever. That's what it says. It also says, kind of in the front half of the book, that His ways are high above our ways and his thoughts are high above your, our thoughts so even your thoughts man what the word of God supersedes that and what it means this morning is that we are loved by the creator of the universe in such a way that motivated him to send his son his one and only son the most precious thing in the universe Jesus to die for us so that we wouldn't die not just physically stop breathing because man that's a, still a reality for us right but so spiritually we wouldn't be separated from him forever, that we would have in Jesus everlasting life. That's some kind of love. And this morning, we're going to continue that thought in First John chapter 4. First John is written by the same John that wrote the Gospel of John. That's pretty awesome to me. God didn't just get one book in the Bible. I, I would love, wouldn't you, just to get one book in the Bible, but he has like four books in the Bible. That's pretty, five, I think, actually, books in the Bible, and four of them are named after him. That's a pretty, pretty, that's a pretty big deal. And he, and he wrote this book a little bit differently than the Gospel of John. He wrote this book uh, as a letter to the church. 
a letter to uh, the, the people like you and me, the people of God that, that have given our life to Jesus, a group of people like us who would be sitting in a room maybe like this and, and hearing this letter read to them. And this letter mostly deals with how do you live out this thing we call Christianity? How do you, how do you live out this new belief? How do, you, how, how do you deal with the resurrection of Jesus and what does that mean to you? That's what this book is about. And then chapter 4, he kind of enters into a moment that almost echoes John 3.16. And it's maybe titled for you guys, Knowing God Through Love. And in verse 7, he starts out, Dear Friends, it's just addressing the church. This is not written to like his best homies that like he hangs out with all the time, but just the church in general, but he addresses them as friends. Now think about how weird that is. Most of the people that are going to be reading this letter, he's probably never even met, never even seen them, never, and it doesn't say the church at Ephesus or the church at Billy Bob, like it's just the church, right? And he's maybe never even visited like 90% of the churches and especially us that are going to be reading this this morning that he addresses it as dear friends. He can do that um, through the power of the love of Jesus. And then he says this plea, he says, let us love one another. Dear friends, let us love one another. That's how he starts off this whole topic in, in chapter 4. Now, it seems like a waste of letters, doesn't it? Why would you need to write the church and tell the church to love one another? Like, shouldn't that just be built in? Like, shouldn't that be obvious? Shouldn't that be like, we're going to do that. You don't have to tell us to do that. It's just natural. Like, Jesus died for us, and he showed us such great love, so we're going to show each other such great love. Like, it should be a natural thing, but apparently it's not because he feels the need to, to start it off here and, and, and say to the church, hey, let's love one another. That'd be a great idea, wouldn't it? Let's, let's love each other. I have this amazing revolutionary idea for you guys this morning. Let us love one another. And just drop the mic and walk off. Like, that was it this morning. You'd be like, what? We do, I thought we did. I thought we, I thought we did love each other. I was, I was pretty sure we loved each other. But if you think about it, like, what group of people on the planet needs this verse more? Because although the church should be known as a place where, man, there's so much love and so much acceptance and so much kind of relation building, like the, although the church should be known as that place, there's so much grace, right? The church is known for everything else, right? The church is known for fighting, right? Like some people, you can talk to them and you're like, I'm never going back to church. Why? Because I was hurt in church. Fill in the blank, right? It's not their fault. Or man, I, I can't even respect those people. There was, you know, there's new overflow gathering and there's overflow gathering because overflow gathering, they wanted to put in blue carpet and then some guy wanted to put in red carpet and then they decided they didn't want the same color carpet. So there's some people left and they went and started new overflow gathering. <laughs> yeah, because it's that ridiculous, right? <laughs> But it happens all the time. Go drive down the road. We're in East Tennessee, right? It's like new this, and then old knew this, and then new knew this, and then old, old knew this. And it's like, what in the world is even happening, right? Yeah, actually, the whole idea of denominations is we couldn't get along, so we went and started this other thing, right? Well, they didn't do, I mean, there's good ones. I'm not saying, don't, don't tell me this morning. Um, but, but like, oh, we got to, we got to, they, they don't believe this thing, so we're just going to go over here, and then they don't believe this thing, so we're just going to go over here and do our thing, and they don't believe this, it's all. We're, we're actually named by how we don't get along. 
So <laughs> why wouldn't you start off the whole letter with, man, dear friends, let's love each, let's love each other. That'd be great. I have a great idea this morning, church. Let's love each other. That'd be amazing. But it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. It's hard to love each other. It's hard to get along when we all don't think the same thing about certain things. It's hard to get along when we all don't like the same thing. And we're all different people, so we're not all going to like the same thing. But this is what he says. Love one another. He goes on. He says, here, I'll show you why. I'll tell you why. Because that's not going to be enough for you this morning. Um, Because love is from God. If you don't need a better reason, right? Let's love each other because love is from God. Man, it's a great thing to love each other because love came from God. That's exactly what it says, right? I, I can dig in there for you if you want me to, but I mean, <laughs> that's, that's what it says on the face. I have a great idea this morning, church. Let's love each other because love is itself is a gift from God. Love came from God. We, we don't have the ability, actually, to love aside from God. I, I don't believe that. Okay, that's great. I'm just telling you this morning. It's true. You'll get there. Um, love is from God. He goes on, he says, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Everyone who loves, that's what he says right here, it's weird, right? Everyone who loves has been born of God and loves God. Everyone who loves is is born of God. Man, I hear that and I'm like, that doesn't even make sense, does it? Because I know a whole lot of people on this planet. And some of those are church people and some of those are not church people. And they'll straight up tell you they're not church people. And they're good people. And they love, right? Uh, I know people that, that are great at loving sometimes in certain situations that don't know Jesus. So how does that, how does that make sense? How, how do you reconcile that this morning? He, he goes on and he's like, oh, and by the way, uh, the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. As if the first statement wasn't hard enough to wrap our heads around, right? Oh, everybody who loves, they know God. And you're like, ah, I know people that don't. And that's weird, John, you're wrong. And then he comes back around, right back around. And he's like, and everybody who doesn't love doesn't know God. And you're like, oh, no. Because I love sometimes, right? I'm good at loving people that love me. I'm really, really good at that. If you love me, I'll love you back. I will. Even if you're annoying, I'll love you back. I I love... (laughs) I, I love abrasive people. Like, I can, I can get along with people that nobody else likes. I can do that. And probably because sometimes I am. I just I feel you because I, I can be that way. But I don't love everybody. Just be honest. You, you, can, you can say you do all you want. Oh, I love everybody because the Bible tells me to. So you can do that all you want. But truth of it is, you don't. And you may not hate people. Maybe that's not the response. But at least you're apathetic to people, Right? You walk by everybody at Walmart and you really think, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love your shoes and you, I love you. You know, like, you, you don't do that. You don't do that. Because some people are annoying. It's just what it is. And just because they're annoying to you doesn't mean they're annoying to me. But, I mean, you know, we have different personalities and we can't get along with everybody. It's just how it works. Like, some people are annoying. Some people are frustrating. Some people are weird. And, and you just, it's hard to love people, Right? It's great. You can love people that look like you and dress like you and act like you and talk like you and have the same interests as you, but it's hard to love people when they don't. But here, John says, if you don't love, you don't know God. And I hear that, and I'm like, all right, where's the line at? Like, how many people do I have to love 
where where do you manage that? Because like you know, John, you can't love everybody. So like, do I have to love my family, or do I have to love my friends, or do I have to love like the church? Because I I can get along with all of them, so I can love them. But that guy, like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I can love him, John. He's he's hurt me, right? Maybe this is not an annoying thing. Maybe they just done something horrible to you. I don't know if I can get over that. I already tried that, and they left me. They abandoned me. I don't know if I can get back to that. There's all kinds of reasons, right? But what John says here, we still have to deal with because it's in the Word of God, and the Word of the God and the Word of the Lord will last forever, stand forever, and that means you won't, but it will. Um, so I think it gets to decide. And it says, the one who does not love does not know God. And he says, because God is love. Because God is the very definition of love. He's the very essence of love. God is love. In 9, he says, um, God's, God's love was revealed among us in this way. He's like, here's how we know God is love. I'll just, I'm breaking it down for you this morning. We're Lego in this thing. Here's how we know that God is love. God's love was revealed, shown to make something previously unknown known is the definition of revealed. We didn't know it. We didn't see it. We maybe heard about it, but we didn't know it. But he, he revealed it and he showed it to us. He gave us a visual representation of his love in this way. And he tells us, God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is what he says about God's love. This is how we know that God is love. Because the Bible tells us so, right? No. Because um, God's love was revealed among us in this way. This is how. He, God, gave as a gift his one and only son. We talked about that last week. Like, think about that. His one and only son. It's not like Jesus was one of like 47 million sons of God up there in heaven, and he was like, oh, yeah, you were here last, or you kind of are the weirdest. It was like there was one, right? There was one son of God, and his name was Jesus. And we know in, in the gospel of John, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And a little bit later on, it says, the word was made flesh. Jesus wasn't even created for this purpose. Jesus was for this purpose. In the beginning, there was Jesus. There was one. There could never be another. He was not created. That makes him precious. It wasn't like God was like, oh, I'll send you and I'll just make another one. Like there was one. The most precious thing, the most one-of-a-kind thing other than God in the universe, right? Because God created everything else. God created diamonds, he created gold, he created wealth, he created the universe, he, he spoke everything else into existence, but there in the beginning there was God and Jesus, and, and that makes him precious and unique. And it says that God revealed his love in this way, that he sent his one and only precious son, that there could never be another of this Jesus, so that we might live through him. Isn't that crazy? God loved us so much. This is what it's saying. Here's how we know that God is love. God loved us so much. There was one Jesus, and he was willing to send him anyway so that we could live. 
See, in reality, God knew our plight. He knew that aside from something, besides some intervention of God, we were destined for the wrath of God. That's what salvation is. Salvation is we were sinners, we had earned wrath, and aside from the intervention of God, we were headed toward that wrath. To be salvation, you had to be saved from something, right? In Ephesians, it says we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, that because of our sins and our trespasses, because of our war against God, we were dead. But here it says that God loved us by sending his son, even when we had earned death. He loved us by sending his son. Even when we had earned wrath, he loved us by sending his son. See, that's amazing to me because we weren't something to be pitied. We were something to be punished. Some of you are like, oh, God had to forgive me. God didn't. No, God did not. You sinned. God made you and you warred against him with your life. You chose other things, lesser things over him. Oh, I chose fame. Well, God created fame. You chose the lesser over the greater. I chose popularity. No, you chose something less. I chose money. No, you chose something less. There was God, and he reached out his hand, and he said, I want you, and you chose the other thing. And because of that, you earned what you got. And what you were supposed to get was the wrath of God, but God loved us in this way that even when we deserved death, he gave us life through Jesus. That's crazy to me. You know that right now there's no reason in the world God should want you, right? You know that right now there's no reason in the world Jesus should have ever came down here, right? You know that there's nothing you had to offer God. There's nothing you had that God needed. If he did, he could have created another one of you, but he loved you anyway, and he showed that. He revealed that among us by giving his one and only precious son, Jesus, so that we could live through him. Or that we could have life through him. That's what it says. That word through is an amazing word. It, it means a conduit, a pathway. And what it's saying in this is not just that God sent his son to die so that we could just do our thing. It's actually not what it says. Or that God sent his son to die so that we could just go about existence. That's not what it said. But it says that we could have life through Jesus. What that means is that Jesus is not just this thing that begins our life, that our life every day is lived in Jesus, is what that word in total means. It's he's the conduit for life, which means if you want to experience life or you want to know life, if you want to live in the life more abundantly, the only way to do that is to wake up with a day-to-day encounter and relationship with Jesus. God didn't come to save you, to drop you off at the cross, is what it's saying. Oh, just wait till the rapture. Oh, just wait till I come back. It's going to be amazing one day. But he come to give you life today in Jesus. That today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day, you can live in the life abundant through Jesus. That's what he's saying. It's, man, it's a bigger gift than I don't have to go to hell. God showed his love in this way. He gave his one and only son so that through him, so that through the conduit of Jesus, we could have a relationship with God. Not breath and a heartbeat, people, but that we could commune with, we could be with, we could intimately know and be known by God. That's what Jesus came for, and that's a bigger deal. 
than I woke up this morning. That's a bigger deal than I don't have to go to hell. And then in 10, he says, maybe that wasn't enough for you. So I'm going to give you the very definition of love. In 10, he says, love consists of this or in this. Consist is a word that means made up of. It's the parts. This is the, this is the parts of love is what he's saying. This is the definition. This is the substance of. This is what makes up love. This is how we know what real love is. This is real love is what he's saying. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God. It's not about you. You you don't even get to be in the parts of love. (laughs) But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is what it says. You want want to know the parts that make up love? Let Let me give you the parts that make up love. You didn't love God. Some of you, I found God. No, you didn't. You weren't looking. You weren't. Oh, what do you mean? I walked in here one day hurting, and I, you weren't looking for God. You were looking for help. God happened to be the help. You were just trying options. You probably tried everything else first. It wasn't you're about your love for God. It says real love consists or is made up of this, not that you love God, but that he loved us. And the response to that was he come around on the other side of that and he gave his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Now, propitiation is a big word. We'll get there in just a second. I had to look it up because I have no idea. It's one of them King James words, right? And says, this is, this is love. God didn't love you. I'm just break it. I'm going to be John for a minute. God didn't love you because you were good worshipers. He didn't love you because you needed more worshipers. He didn't love you because he needed more songs. He didn't love you because he needed somebody to lift their hands. He didn't love you because he needed somebody to come down here and pray and get up and talk about how good he was. He didn't love you because how good you could be. He didn't love you to improve your moral status. He didn't love you because of anything that you had the ability to do. God's love actually has nothing to do with you other than that's the way it's directed. Amen? That's how he can love me. Because on face value, there's no reason God should love me. I'm not good. Not, not in those standards. Maybe compared to you, man, I look okay or decent or great <laughs> and horrible, depending on who we are. But compared to God, man, there's nothing should be desired. God's love towards me had nothing to do with me, but had everything to do with him. What he's saying here is, you know what motivated Jesus to step down out of heaven? Jesus. Nothing to do with you. You know what motivated Jesus to be born in a manger? Not you. Jesus. You know what motivated Jesus to live a perfect life on your behalf? Not you, Jesus. You know what motivated Jesus to, to, to be mocked for like three years as he walked around as a teacher by everyone on the planet, including his, fr- his family? Not you, Jesus. 
You know, you know what motivated Jesus to wash the feet of a disciple that was already betraying him in that moment? You know what motivated that? Not you. Jesus. How, how could Jesus, Jesus wash, wash Judas' feet? Same way he can save you. It didn't have anything to do with you. It was him. You know, you know what motivated Jesus to go to the garden that night instead of running somewhere else? Not you. Jesus. You know, you know what motivated Jesus when the guards come up to say, hey, let's not fight. Let's just slap the cuffs on, brother. I'm ready to go to the cross. Jesus. You, you know what motivated him at 2 o'clock in the morning when all these people were gathered around him, punching him and saying, prophesy who hit you to keep going and not just blow it all away and say, forget it? Not you. Jesus. You know what motivated him at 6 o'clock in the morning after he'd not slept all night? Knowing he was about to be crucified at 9 o'clock to, to go through the trial and to even talk to Pilate and not just say, you know what, I'm out of here, peace, I'm going back to heaven. Jesus. You, you know what motivated Jesus to, to, at 9 o'clock, walk up the hill carrying that cross and then stretch out his hands, no fighting, no pushing, no shoving, just stretch out his hands and say, okay, whatever, nail me. Jesus. You, you know what motivated Jesus for, you know, what, six hours to hang on the cross? Could have at any point, he created the universe. He can't, he can't get past three nails. To not just come down off of that thing and say, it's over for you guys, sorry, I tried the salvation thing. If the wrath wasn't work it. You, you, you know what motivated him to do that? To stay there? Not you. Jesus. And when the end of his life was coming, when, when the wrath had been poured out and poured out and poured out and the hurt and the pain and the shame and the spitting and the mocking and, the, and all that stuff that had came, you know what motivated him when, when even in the darkest hour it seemed like even God had turned his back on the sun to stay on the cross and to breathe out these final words, Father, forgive them. You know what motivated him to do that? Not you, but Jesus. See, the truth of it is, man, our love would have never been enough. Oh, great, they're going to come to church one Sunday a week, and they're going to sing a couple songs, and they're going to hear somebody talk, and, and it's, man, it's going to be such a sacrifice. I hope I can stay up here for that. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, does it? Oh man, they're going to rearrange their whole life and listen to Caleb in the car. And it's, man, I, man, I hope I can endure the cross so that I can have all these people listening to Caleb. That'd be great. Oh man, wouldn't it be great if I could just stay up here for a couple more minutes so they could put their little Jesus sticker on the back of their car and wear their Jesus t-shirts? Man, we think we're doing so much. Oh, but I'm being good. That's great. You were dead. You didn't have the ability to be good because you were dead. You didn't have the ability to worship because you were dead. You didn't have the ability to come in this place and sing these songs and lift your hands because you were dead. You didn't have the ability to sit there and listen to anybody say anything about Jesus and comprehend it because you were dead. There was nothing you could offer. There was nothing you could do. There was not one thing that he needed from you. But he came because of his love. Ephesians says because of his great love. Right? We were dead in our trespasses, our sins. We were headed towards the wrath of God, and there was not one thing we could do about it. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, sent the Messiah to die for us, to give us life. Man, that's in the Bible. When did we ever think it was about us? See, the truth of it is this morning, you're not doing anything for love. Oh, I better go to church so God will love me more. No, he already loved you. If that's your motivation, stay home. 
oh, I better listen to Christian music so God will love me. No, he already loved you. If that's your motivation, change the channel. Oh, I better be good today because I want God to love me. No, he already loved you. If that's your motivation, you just live it up, brother. Because here's the reality this morning. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less because when you were at your least, God loved you at his most. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. This is the essence of real love. This is the parts that make up real love. Not that we love to get what we can get, but that we just love because that's who we are. Because that's what Jesus did. He says, this is the parts of love. This is what real love looks like. Real love is not to love to get something in return. Real love is to love because love is who we are. He says, this is how God loved you. This is the definition of love. This is how we know what love is. You've never even seen love like this because you're not capable of love like this. See, the truth of it is, man, Jesus died for you when you were at your worst, knowing that some people in this very room would never accept him. Man, that's hard. Jesus loved you, knowing some of you would never accept that love. And at no point in time did he ever say, oh man, I don't know about that. How can you even love knowing that you might not ever get it in return and just be okay with that? See, it cost Jesus everything to love you. Jesus spent everything he had in his life to love you, and some of you will never love him back, and he's okay with that. Because Jesus didn't just take my wrath. He took your wrath and 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 all their wrath. He took it all at one time. I can't even take my own wrath. Man, can you imagine what hell is going to be like? I've heard people say, oh, it's a party. It's going to be awesome. They're going to kick me out. Yeah, right, brother. You can't even go outside without an air conditioner for 15 minutes. You're going to love hell. It's going to be horrible. And you're going to be separated from God. And Jesus took all that, not just for me, but for you and everybody else that has ever lived or will ever live, and he knew, man, a majority of those people are never going to love me back, and he did it anyway, no regrets. Man, that is love. They're going to reject me. I'm going to love them anyway. They're going to run from me. I'm going to run them anyway. They're, they're going to hear, he loves you, 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 and they're going to just bounce that right off, and they're never going to get it, and they're never going to care, but I'm going to love them anyway. You know why? Because I love them. And as they war against me and fight against me and, and, and run their lives against me, as they run from me, as they refuse to submit, as they settle for church and religion and stuff, as they do all that stupid stuff that they do, I'm going to love them anyway because I am love. And in that way, it says not because of our love, but because of his love, God sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is a word that means appeasement. The, the, the Jesus came to be the appeasement for our sin. But there's this other word that comes out of appeasement, and I can't, it's escaped my brain for just a minute, but it means, I'll just tell you the definition because I can't remember the word. You can look it up later, appeasement, Google, take you 15 seconds. It means to make someone less angry. 
Jesus came to absorb the wrath of God for you so that God would no longer have to be mad at you. He would lay all that on Jesus. Isn't that crazy? You can do whatever you want to today and God's not going to be mad at you because he's already poured all that out on Jesus. It's nuts. That's real love. That's real love. In, in its very deepest essence, that is, that is real love. Real love is I'm, I'm going to love you whether I get anything back or not. And I'm not just going to say I love you. It's going to cost me everything to love you. But I'm going to love you anyway. Because that's what Jesus did. This is how God displayed his love. It's nuts. Isn't it? Isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy? If you don't think you're very good, it is. In 11, it says, um, dear friends, it's like right where we started at, right? If God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. So it starts out with this thing, and we're like, "Man, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to come around that um, because I know people that love um, that don't know God. Maybe that's true, but you don't know people that love like God that don't know God." Right? No motivation, no motive. I'm just going to love you. Call me names if you want. I'm just going to love you. Talk bad about me if you want. I'm just going to love you. See, it's not even available apart from God. And then it says if we don't love, we don't know God. And this is the love it's talking about. That, that, man, we as the church should love each other in that way. In a way that it costs us everything. Knowing me, it might be rejected. But it's okay. But, man, how hard is that? Very, right? But can I just say this morning, here's the fuel that that comes out of. We don't have to love for love. The truth is, I don't need your love. I don't need it. Not one person in this room do I need your love. You can, you can actually all later today, I mean, it'll hurt, but I don't need it. You can all actually later today be like, all right, Brad, done with you, bye. And it's happened to me before. But in reality, I don't, I don't need your love. I don't need a man or a woman or a boy or a girl or mom or dad or anybody to validate love in my life because I, I can love from a place of love. See, in reality, I'm already loved. I'm, I'm completely loved. There's no way you could ever love me like he loves me. You don't, you don't have the ability. 
And you can say great things to me. I, I love it. You can talk about, man, you can do these things, and I, I'll love it. And you can pat me on the back, and I'll love it. And you can send me I love you text, and I'll, I'll love it. I'll send them right back. But the reality of it is this morning is I'm already loved. And that love is enough. <laughs> no matter how much you love me, you can't, separate, you can't take the wrath of God from me. You can't even handle your own. But man, I'm supremely loved by the creator of the universe. I'm, I'm loved in a way that man is completely validating and completely freeing and completely defining. I'm not defined by how many of you follow me on Twitter. I'm, <laughs> I'm defined by how much the Father in heaven loves me. And he has already declared love in my life. He's already said, man, you're mine. I've adopted you. You're in my family. You're my people now. You can come to my house. You can live in my place. You can, you can actually live your days through my days. Everything you got, everything you got comes from me. Because I love you. And when we get to a place, man, where we're like, I'm already loved. I'm already validated. I'm already good. I'm already free. Then and only then can we love in that way. Man, it might cost me everything. But man, I am so loved. I have to let some of that out towards you. I'm so loved by my Father in heaven. I have to love those around me. Oh man, he doesn't like me. That's okay, I love you. He loves you. And I love you too. Oh man, you said something bad about me. That hurt, that, that bothered me. But I just want you to know, man, I'm so loved. And I love you. See, the reality is I said bad things about Jesus. I thought bad things about Jesus. And at no point in time was he ever like, ah, I wish I would have died for you. So I'm going to step into his kind of love today. And I'm going to love from love, not for it. Let's pray.